really excited about this week. <laughs> and so I was wondering, uh, Dr. Edick, if you can share what are some themes that are going on during Public Health Genetics Week? I mentioned that this is going to happen during the week of Memorial Day. So we're not doing anything on the Monday of that week, but starting on Tuesday. So Tuesday is kind of our day one. Um, the focus for that day is going to be on what is public health genetics. You're listening to the voice of Dr. Matt Edick, who is the director of the Center for Strategic Health Partnerships at the Michigan Public Health Institute in Michigan. Dr. Edick engages patients, families, clinicians, researchers, payers, and other stakeholders to develop and implement innovative projects that increase access to healthcare and improve health outcomes. He holds a PhD in pharmacogenomics from the University of Tennessee in Memphis, Tennessee, and a Bachelor's of Science in Biology and a minor in Chemistry from State University of New York College at Brookport, New York. In this episode, Dr. Edick will share how he has pivoted his career as a scientist into the public health arena. He will also tell us more about Public Health Genetics Week, which is the last week of May this year in the year 2020. What is the purpose of Public Health Genetics Week, and what is public health genetics? Be sure to check out all the fun activities and free educational material on how public health genetics can help you be a better advocate for your own health. So stay tuned and listen on. Hello, friends. This is the What is Public Health podcast with your host, Dr. Ki Chan. What is public health? To me, public health is the invisible force that keeps you healthy every day, and I bet you didn't even know it. This podcast is your source of the latest trend in public health. Hello, friends. Today, I have a special guest. I have Dr. Edick here with me. Uh, so how are you doing, Dr. Edick? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I've been working in my basement for about the last six weeks or so, uh, trying to make sure I maintain my appropriate social distancing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, being in my basement all this time, I, I still get to connect with all of my my colleagues and all of my partners. And uh, you know, work work has continued on as normal, and family life has continued on as normal. So I'm, I'm doing doing pretty well. Oh, that's good to hear. And Dr. Edick, um, maybe we can have you share more about what you do and your career path and how has the coronavirus pandemic impacted your organization and your career? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to happy to do that. So, you know, currently I, I work at a public health institute um, in Michigan and um, I've, I've been there for about five years, but my career started a very, very long ways away from uh, public health. My first job out of college was actually as a chemist in a, an electroplating uh, industry. And uh, as I was thinking through my career path at one point, I realized that there's been this steady progression towards public health in, in my career. And it, it was completely unintentional, uh, but it was kind of interesting to me. So I start out as a chemist, which really has no connection to the, the human condition or human, human beings. And uh, my, my next job past that, I actually went to graduate school. I, I was pretty unhappy as a chemist. Um, you know, I got to use my brain in my work, but there was no, 
no sense of satisfaction with the end product. So I went to graduate school and I studied a discipline. Um, it's, it used to be completely unheard of. I think people have heard of it now more often. It's called pharmacogenomics. And really, this is a, a discipline where we study how, uh, how your body interacts with medications that you might take. Um, and for me personally, I studied this in the context of cancer. So I was trying to understand how come two people that take the same medication to treat the same cancer have a different outcome, a different response. I mean, it turns out that this is genetic in nature. So your DNA and, and your, your sort of blueprint for life affects how you respond to these medications and ultimately affects your outcome. So this, if you know much about pharmacogenomics, or even if you don't, it sounds really molecular, really scientific. And, and indeed it is. It's looking at individual molecules in your DNA and drug molecules. And so it was exciting work, um, but it was very focused on, on just molecules. And so as I finished my graduate work, uh, my next uh, step in the career was to do some postdoctoral fellowship work. And I wanted a bigger picture. And so right, it's kind of sounding like public health, right? Take this big systems, systems approach. So I studied a discipline called cell biology. So I went from the molecule to, well, let, let's look at the whole cell and see how that works. And I did that in the context of, excuse me, of cancer biology as well. And um, it, was, it was great work and I really liked it. Uh, and then I, I actually had a little pause in my career. I have a child with special needs. And when he was born, he was really sick. So I took a few years off from, uh, from my work. And I, you know, I, so I started with the non-human condition, then I started stud studying molecules inside of living cells, and then I studied cells. And then I had this time to interact on a really intimate and personal level with the healthcare system and see how the research that I had been doing on molecules and on cells ultimately ends up impacting people in hospitals and in clinics. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of time to think about that when I was at home with my, my child. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the hospital and, you know, one person is allowed in the room. So he's not very conversational at this point as a newborn. So I spent a lot of time thinking. And when I returned to the workforce, I really didn't want to be in the lab anymore studying those cells and studying those molecules. And I, I wanted to um, do work that had a, a more, I don't know, a more immediate impact uh, on people and on populations and on health. And so uh, the first job I got after that was actually teaching at a, a local university here in Michigan. And I taught in the biomedical sciences um, and I taught students about anatomy and physiology and pharmacology, but I did it in a context that let them see and understand how understanding that discipline helps them help people, right? Sick people or, you know, populations. And, and from there, that was sort of my launch into public health. Um, when I left the university, I joined uh, Michigan Public Health Institute to work on a public health genetics project that was, uh, that was ongoing. 
at MPHI. And uh, this particular project, it was um, to, to better understand what we call the natural history of conditions that are identified by a public health process called newborn screening. So I know there's a lot in there. So natural history just means what happens uh, to a person that has a particular condition from the time they um, develop that condition until the time that either they die from it or it's cured and it goes away. And uh, the, the conditions that we, we were looking at that are identified by newborn screening, the natural history is really not known. Uh, people don't understand so well um, what happens uh, with these conditions from birth through through death, and um, so it was it was related to my work in genetics that I had already done pharmacogenetics, um, but it was very very close and and uh, personal in terms of you know interacting with human beings and and making an impact on people's lives, um, and so I've been I've been at MPHI for. Uh, for the last a little over five years now. Um, in, in addition to, I do a lot of work in, in public health genetics, uh, but I also do a lot of other work in public health really around engaging diverse stakeholders in solving public health problems. So whether you're uh, just a person from uh, a community or maybe you have a, a condition or disorder, or maybe you're a physician or a counselor of some sort or an insurance payer, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, we, we identify you know, some given public health problem and then we say, okay, well, who cares about this? Who are the stakeholders, if you will? And we bring everybody together and talk about the problem, talk about the solutions and develop a plan that incorporates all of the stakeholders that we're able to in in deciding, you know, what exactly is the problem and what's the best way to solve it so that at the end of the day, we come up with solutions that people will actually use and implement. And so I do that in the genetic space, um, but also in um, cancer and in um, care coordination, autism, um, I don't know, a whole, a whole host of, of uh different disciplines and, and conditions that we work on. So that's, um, you know, in, in a, a very large nutshell, <laughs> my, uh, my career path to uh, where, where I am now currently at the Public Health Institute. Well, thank you so much for sharing your uh, career path and how different uh, moments of your life uh, help shift or introduce you to new opportunities. Um, just for our listeners out there, they may be curious to learn what's the difference between the Michigan Public Health Institute and the Department of Public Health at the state level. Like how are they coordinated, how they're affiliated, or what's the difference? Um, and that uh, for our listeners who might be interested in getting involved in public health, like what are these opportunities so they can investigate? Yeah, that's that's uh, both of those are really wonderful questions. So, um, the Michigan Public Health Institute is uh, an independent nonprofit entity that was established um, in the state of Michigan through legislation 
by the Department of Health and Human Services. So um, Michigan's Department of Health and Human Services is a separate, if you will, government entity. Um, And uh, they're, they're very, it's a very large organization and they cover uh, all kinds of um, like all kinds of disciplines. So there's public health, genetics, there's chronic disease, there's um, inclusion and diversity in the state, um, traffic safety, I don't know, just like a whole host of things. The Public Health Institute was created to be a support system for the the Department of Health and Human Services. And so we have a a very, very close relationship with, uh, with the Department of Health and Human Services, where Um, employees at MPHI do things like provide evaluation for projects for the state. Um, Sometimes we do hiring for the state. Um, Sometimes we do research projects in collaboration with the state. Uh, We do stakeholder engagement projects for them. Um, And it's usually in, in, you know, some type of collaborative fashion Uh, and, and we, we at the Public Health Institute have a lot more um, mobility to do that work than the state does. Um, for example, if they need to hire an evaluation specialist for some, um, some project uh, in Michigan, I think about uh, the, the Flint water crisis that happened not so long ago. You know, there was a lot of need around, you know, epidemiologists and toxicologists and, you know, all all sorts of folks, and they they were needed quickly. And the process that the Department of Health and Human Services has to go through to bring these people on board takes some time. And uh, MPHI doesn't have to go through the same processes. So we were able to to support support DHHS by, you know, finding, finding and bringing on these folks for the state to do, uh, do the different work that they needed to do. So we are, we're definitely, you know, separate entities, but we're very intimately connected. Um, the other thing that I would add, um, and this is, you know, something that MPHI or Michigan Public Health Institute is working on a little bit is, is our image. Uh, when, when we say Michigan Public Health Institute, um, it gives the impression that we are a Michigan organization doing work in Michigan. And that's actually very misleading. Um, our, our institute uh, is based in Michigan and we're you know, we were formed as a partnership out of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, but really our projects um, are are at a at least regional, but oftentimes national scale. So, you know, we have we have projects that reach all over all over the nation, and some of our projects, like one of mine that I can think of in in particular, has also gone on to have international impacts. So um, sometimes that can be a little misleading to hear Michigan Public Health Institute. We're we're very you know very broad spread in in our in our reach. Yeah. So in in terms of career opportunities, you know, if, if you are somebody like me who didn't really know about public health. Uh, I I sort of stumbled upon it. I I feel like I got lucky. I was looking for opportunities and saw this job for a a position in genetics 
And I was like, oh, I should apply for this. And as I read it, it said public health. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what that is. And I tried looking it up and I still really didn't understand what it was. And I said, oh, okay, well, what the heck, I'll, I'll apply anyways. And I ended up getting the job and uh, have since learned a lot about public health and, and what it is. And um, so, you know, thinking about how somebody like me, maybe when I was in college or in graduate school, may um, find their way into a career like that. Um, you know, something I think that would have pushed me that way sooner is, you know, had I taken some courses in public health just to understand what it is and, and you know, what it might be. Um, it might be easier these days with the Internet. There's lots of resources, I think, that, you know, you could find uh, to, to tell what public health is and talks about public health careers. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, I think if you're if you have an interest in in you know, serving public health and thinking, you know, systems level, how, how do we fix the system to help all of the people? Um, you know, I would just encourage people to, to seek out uh, public health and learn about it, learn about what it is um, and, you know, read about career opportunities. There's lots of them. Um, in terms of, you know, differences between working at the Public Health Institute and the state um, Department of Health and Human Services. That's that's a tough one for me to answer uh, because I haven't worked at the state or for the state. Um, you know, I know MPHI is much smaller. You know, we have maybe 600 employees, where DHHS has I, I don't know how many tens of thousands. Maybe it's. 10, 15, 20,000, something. I don't, I don't really know the number, but it's, it's tens of thousands of employees. Um, we at the Public Health Institute have a lot more mobility in our career. It's much like um, a, a career in, in uh, academics, like if you're in, in a university and you want to do research, you know, really as long as you can come up with the money to do the work that you want to do, you pretty much can do it. And of course, there's always caveats to that. Um, but the same is true at the Public Health Institute. So if I want to do a project on whatever it might be, as long as I can come up with the funding for it, then I really have the mobility to do it. Um, and, you know, of course, it, it's got to fit the mission of our institute and things like that. But, um, but really, we have a ton of mobility. At the state, that's not as true, they have you know they have a lot of um, limitation and and rules and guidance and for good reason, uh, but around you know what they can and can't do and the the decision making takes a little bit longer because there's uh, you know much larger infrastructure. Um, on the other hand, you know I think they probably get paid better at the state than we do at the public health institute. So you know there's you know pluses and minuses I suppose. Um, to uh to both and and i mean if you have interest in public health i would certainly not discourage people from either like lo looking at career paths at either type of uh either type of place well thank you for um sharing the information about the different career opportunities in these different places and also letting us know that the michigan public health institute uh works worldwide so it's not only limited to issues related to um citizens in michigan so that's good to know and and this is why one of my mission of hosting my podcast, which is what is public health, is to introduce people, our listeners, um, 
about what public health is and also the different career paths because you know people can't get jobs and things they don't know and so this exactly. is another one of my um i guess it's like the personal uh, uh, personal passion project of mine is to really spread the word of public health because you know I've been working in the field and you know I've, I teach in this area I work in it but you know it's still a small area and you know, given the whole coronavirus pandemic you, you it's we can see that we need more public health workers out there to help um, protect the lives of the people here in our different communities so um, so definitely listeners uh, if you're interested in any of the career paths definitely listen to um, this part uh, to the different uh, episodes um, where I have different speakers speak about the career paths, and they all has gener- have all generously um, offered to uh, connect with you and to send you information about their careers or different areas. So, so I thank you again, Dr. Edick, for being here to share your career path. And I came across Michigan Public Health Institute um, because of your work, but also um, I heard that there is a huge event coming up which is called the Public Health Genetics Week. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners what it is and what the purpose and the mission of Public Health Genetics Week. And now we know your career path and how you, you know, got into it and it's both per- professional and personal reasons. We would love to know more and, uh, and spark an interest in all of us about it. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would be happy to talk about that. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Public Health Genetics Week is uh, it's a campaign basically to raise awareness about what public health genetics is, um, and, and really how it impacts uh, impacts each of us in in society. Um, twenty twenty is the inaugural year for Public Health Genetics Week. So. If, if you wanted to go Google it right now, you probably wouldn't find anything because it doesn't exist yet. Um, it will start to exist. I believe it's on May 26th. I think that's our first day. Um, it's, it's the week of Memorial Day this year um, from Tuesday through Friday. Uh, so if you try to find it, you won't. But soon you will. Very, very soon. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so it, it's basically this campaign that we wanted to launch to you know, let people know what is public health genetics? Who is involved? Um, you know, what is the type of work that happens as part of public health genetics? Uh, what are the resources that people might use that either you know are developed by uh, people who work in public health genetics, or at least would help um, individuals who need um, that type of public health genetics um, service? And so, you know, really the the mission for this first year is is a a very strong awareness campaign we want to to let as many people as possible know about public health genetics and know what the resources are um and and really the vision for doing that uh and it, it was very timely you know we we weren't planning on a, a covid-19 pandemic when we started talking about uh launching Public Health Genetics Week, um, but our plan had all along been that this would be a very um, social media, web, um, audio-driven type of campaign where, you know, we um, maybe talk about it on social media or post about it on web pages and share things and, you know, elicit stories from people. And uh, so now I'm really glad that was our plan because 
that's really the only way that we could accomplish that in in the current social distancing. So if we were going to go talk about it somewhere, that wouldn't have worked quite as well as using social media. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's the the basic idea behind it. And uh, I should mention, so um, Public Health Genetics Week is uh, so I'm involved in it from MPHI, but it actually is not an initiative of MPHI. Um, and this is um, you know maybe a, a also a nice uh, addition to to help understand public health genetics. So one of my projects at MPHI is uh, it's called the Midwest Genetics Network. And this is a, a seven state network that focuses very specifically on uh, improving access to genetic services uh, for individuals who need that service. And uh, we have a, a particular focus on uh, serving underserved communities and you know, individuals who are, you know, for whatever reason, not receiving services at the same level um, that they might need as others in the population. And so Midwest Genetics Network is one of seven networks across the nation. So the whole United States is covered by one of seven genetics networks. Uh, and the seven genetics networks have a national coordinating center. Uh, so it's called the National Coordinating Center for the Regional Genetics Networks. Um, it's a mouthful. So we usually just call it the NCC. Uh, for National Coordinating Center. And uh, the National Coordinating Center, they do many, many things, and, and it's off topic to talk about what they might be. But one of the things that they do is um, they, they help all of the regions coordinate our activities. So we get together quite often on different work groups around different topics. And Public Health Genetics Week is really something that was conceived out of the leadership from NCC and uh, representatives from all of the regional genetics networks, as well as other, you know, other organizations. And I, I, uh, I'm not going to try to name them because I know I'll forget some and I don't want to do that. So, um, you know, all of the genetics networks and the NCC and several other organizations have contributed to, to, uh, the effort to bring this to you. And for anybody that gets a chance to check out the resources around Public Health Genetics Week, you, you, you can see the, um, you know, the list of different people who have contributed both to the conception and then also um, all the different resources and the entities that are involved um, in public health genetics. Well, thank you for uh, being, uh, being a part of initiating this a new public health genetics week this year and that this is the the first um event and hopefully that we have a good momentum that we could keep this going out on every year um i think some so. are, yeah exactly <laughs> and i think i was wondering some of the um like some of the activities that are going on during public health genetics weeks is to increase awareness and increase people's awareness about genetic services. Um, for our listeners, they may not know exactly what those are. So what are some genetic services that you think people should be aware of? And are there fees associated with these? I mean, I know there's a lot of different genetic services, but maybe you could just give ballpark ranges because you know, in a lot of these different um, awareness week, you know, there's free screening, there's free resources. So maybe you can share what are some 
resources that are available and that what are just to increase awareness and maybe there's some feeds, but at least that they can um, ask their doctors about that. And what are, and what are complementary that's being offered maybe in their different regions? Because it sounds like Public Health Genetics Week, um, even though it is being um, initiated uh, from this particular region, it's throughout the whole entire United States. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't, I don't know that I could speak so well about, you know, particular services that would be, you know, getting offered, especially like right now, different complementary services that are being offered. So um, there's a, a couple things I could say about that. Um, MPHI, as we approach these projects, is always from a, a higher system level and not at the level of actually providing those services, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, I, I can give you an example of like telehealth. So one of, one of the things that we've spent a lot of time on, and it, not just uh, our Midwest region, all of the regions across the nation have spent a lot of time and effort around developing resources for telehealth so that people can receive genetic services by telehealth. Um, and uh, I would never host a telehealth appointment, right? So I'm not a clinician, I'm not a physician, genetic counselor, any type of service provider whatsoever. Um, but if there are clinicians in our region that want to use telehealth and they really don't know how, then the genetics networks are prepared to do things like provide training uh, to the clinician on, you know, what are best practices in telehealth? Um, you know, how do you set up a platform? What's the business model? Um, our national coordinating center does a lot of work around policy. So they understand things like, you know, what can you get billed for or what, what can a clinician bill for? Um, and in terms of making it sustainable in their clinic, um, we also develop lots of resources for families, like, um, you know, my region has developed video series around you know, what is telehealth and why might you use it. Um, other regions have developed videos around best practices for clinicians, best practices for families. Um, you know, how do you manage a telehealth appointment from your home? Um, just, you know, different things like that. So we do a lot of um, you know, developing the the supporting resources as opposed to actually providing the service. Um, so it's a little little difficult. It would be difficult for me to address the the cost and the specific services that might be answered. But I think maybe that gives a flavor for the types of things. Um, and maybe I, I guess I don't think we talked about it. it. It might be useful, I guess, to define public health genetics? Like what exactly is that? Um, I know uh, probably for followers of your podcast, uh, much like me in, in your trailer, they, they hear about you saying how you get the, the blank stare and kind of pause when you say you work in public health because many people don't know what it is. Um, all through my career, I, I had a focus in genetics. And so if I said I worked in genetics, I would get that same kind of blank stare in that pause and, you know, people's phone would imaginarily ring and they would have to go because they didn't want to have to hear about genetics. Um, now at the Public Health Institute, I'm actually, you know, for the first time in my life at a loss for words when people ask me what I do um, and trying to explain 
public health and public health genetics and that intersection. And one of the things that the team who has put together Public Health Genetics Week has spent a good amount of time on is, is coming up with a, a, a clear definition of exactly what public health genetics is. Um, and you can read it on our website, but I, I can share it with, with everybody uh, who's listening. So we came up with uh, public health genetics uh, uses uh, the things we learn by studying genetics uh, to improve public health and prevent disease. So, you know, to break it down, basically somebody like me a few decades ago in the lab who's studying genetics and DNA and understanding how maybe a, you know, a, a broken piece of DNA, a, a mutation, if you will, causes a disease or makes your body not respond to medication the same way, something like that. Um, we take that knowledge and we apply it broadly to the population. Um, so a, a good example of that would be some of the screening programs that are out there in public health, like uh, screening programs around uh, hereditary breast cancer, ovarian cancer, um, screening at birth for disorders like um, uh, cystic fibrosis and sickle cell disease, uh, a whole host of metabolic disorders that are genetic in nature. Um, and so, you know, it takes the knowledge that was learned in the laboratories around the genetics and applies it to the population. You know, how does it really affect the people? And, uh, you know, the screening programs, I think, are a great example because this is a, a place where, you know, you have the, the genetic finding and then the public health world can take that to, you know, make a, an early identification of a condition who that is, you know, potentially catastrophic to the individual that has it, um, and um, they can coordinate the 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 treatment per, um, and not actually providing the treatment, but at least you know making the pathway to get treatment um, so that. Um, you you have better health outcome for the individual, you know, lower burden to the healthcare system, lower burden to society. Um, it's like a you know a win 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 type situation, um, marrying together that genetic information with uh, you know with the the world of public health, who is constantly looking to you know improve society through improved health. Yeah, and I think of an example that we can maybe share with our audiences, um, breast cancer and Breast Cancer Awareness Week. And during that week, um, there's increase of screening um, and different types of self-examination or talking to your doctor or just getting information about um, just being aware of breast health and then and then the importance of getting screened. And also how it relates to Public Health Genetics Week, it reminds me of the BRCA1 and BRCA2, which is which has been shown to, if, you're, if you have that mutation in that particular gene, there's been associated with high likelihood of developing breast cancer. And there's a genetic test that um, tests, um, detects for those mutations. And, you know, it's also common in men too. So it's a test, it's available for women and men. And so that's an example of showing how you can use it, how a genetic test such as BRCA1 and 2 um, can help inform you as a patient or any consumer. And then having that information can 
help you decide what to do, right? It could, you know, if yeah. it's if you have low risk, then it's maybe you work with your provider for surveillance, you know, if it has uh, progressed, um, then you have uh, different treatment options. And so I think it's so important how genetics um, provides you with more informed information so you can make more informed decisions. So, you know, so I think that uh, uh, public health genetics has been around for some time. It's just that we don't really see it or we don't really um, label it as what we do, but we we know about breast cancer screening and these genetic tests. So right, I'm just right. so excited that now we finally have have labeled a specific campaign that emphasizes like, all these different things that has been going on in helping improve population health now has its own week, which is Public Health Genetics Week, which then can connect to all the different um, health conditions that are being identified through genetics in some capacity. So I'm really excited about this week. <laughs> and so I was wondering, uh, Dr. Edith, if you can share what are some themes that are going on during Public Health Genetics Week? Because, you know, like I said, like, you know, how, how it can relate to breast cancer, I could imagine that it that you can connect to all these different health conditions, physical, mental, a lot of different conditions. And so maybe our audience who may have a condition may feel like, oh, I didn't real. maybe I can investigate how this, there's a public health genetic aspect to this disorder that I have, or I know someone who I have, and so they could get involved. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, that's great. So, um I mentioned that this is going to happen during the week of Memorial Day. So we're not doing anything on the Monday of that week, but starting on Tuesday. So Tuesday is kind of our day one. Um, the focus for that day is going to be on what is public health genetics. So um, we'll share our definition on social media. And um, I, I don't recall which big social media events are which days, but there are social media events that are going to be interactive. There's a Twitter chat um, on one day, there's a Facebook chat on one day, and then there's a Reddit AMA on one day. Um, and they, they all have different focuses. Um, but one of the things that will be addressed is, you know, what exactly is public health genetics? Um, so that's, that's day one. Um, on the second day, we're going to be specifically highlighting the who of public health genetics. So who exactly is involved in public health genetics? And you know, to give you a, a teaser, there's really three major stakeholder groups. Uh, you have public health professionals, which you might expect. Um, you have healthcare providers, which you might expect. And then the third one is individuals and, and families. And so that means basically if you're listening to this podcast, you are a stakeholder in public health genetics. Um, if you are a human being, you are a stakeholder in public health genetics. It's very, very broad. Um, but we're going to talk uh, on that day specifically about some of the, the key stakeholders um, in public health genetics. And then on day three, the focus is going to be around, around screenings. Um, so I think probably newborn screening might be one of the the most well-known and largest public health screening um, programs. Uh, it's also legislated, so that, that helped make it very large. Um, but there are other programs like the breast cancer screening, um, screening for Lynch syndrome, um, familial hypercholesteremia is, is also starting to be screened for as well. Um, all of these things are, are you know, considered 
uh, so newborn screening is considered a, a newborn screen. Uh, the rest are considered population screening. You don't have to be a, a, a baby or a child to have those screenings. Uh, and then on the final day, <coughs> excuse me, on the final day, uh, we're going to highlight public health resources. And so um, we are not, um, you know, we're not aware of every single public health uh, genetics resource that might be available, but we are aware a lot of them, of a lot of them because we have so many partners across the nation uh, that work in in public health genetics. And so the the final day we'll be highlighting those resources and how to uh, how to connect with them. Wow, there's so many great activities um, going on. And what's the best way for people to to get access to these different events? And are they free? And are they webinars? Or are they like a tweet chat for having the whole day? Or yeah, just what are specific ways that people can attend to these different activities? Yeah, so I think um, there, there's lots of ways that, that people could get involved in them. Um, probably two things that you could do that are really, really easy to, to start with and to make sure you're connected to whatever you want to. Uh, the first one would be to, to follow our National Coordinating Center on social media. So they're on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and their, their handle is at NCCRCG. Um, and if you follow them, all of the social media, po- like you'll get a notice for all of the different social media events and posts that are, that are going on during public health genetics week. Uh, people can also visit the, um, public health genetics week, uh, webpage. It's just P H G W dot org. So it's really, really easy, um, webpage. On that webpage, there are links to each of the social media events, so the, the Twitter chat, the Facebook Live event, and the, the Reddit AMA. Um, there is a, a, a spot that I would really encourage people to go visit. It's a share your story spot on the webpage. Um, is what, one of the things that we'd like to do throughout the week is just collect stories from people who have interacted in some way with public health genetics. Um, maybe you've had a screen. Um, maybe you are connected with your genetics network. You know, it, um, you know maybe there's a, a policy that was developed around genetics that impacted your family in some way. We, we would love for people to get on our website and just share those stories. Uh, and there's a form for people to do that. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's I don't know if there's going to be a specific selection process. It probably depends on how many stories we get, um, but I know that um, the intention would be to be able to share um, share those stories with others who who visit the web page. <laughs> so um, you know that's a that's a great way to get involved. Um, anybody who is um, you know savvy at social media platforms. Um, we're really excited about the Reddit AMA. That's one that we haven't done before. Um, I, I didn't really know what it was before we started talking about Public Health Genetics Week, but uh, Reddit is a, a social uh, like um, a social news media, basically um, where you can you know read news about different things. AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. 
And so it's a, a live event basically on this social media outlet where you have a host that's willing to field questions and you can ask whatever question you want. Um, the, the director of American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics is going to be hosting that and answering any questions that people have about public health genetics week. So if, you know, we would love for people to check out all of the social media events. We're really excited about that one. So, you know, hopefully people will uh, um, come in and, and check that one out. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, I mean, lots of, lots of ways that people can, can interact uh, throughout the week and we hope lots of people will. Wow. That's great that there's all these different events that are happening on social media and also through this platform, Reddit, where people can ask questions and get their questions answered. So it sounds like it's a mix of like live events and these events will be recorded, would they? And would people have access to it as a replay or do they have to attend it at that time? Um, you know, that's that's a great question. Is one that we, we haven't actually discussed that I can recall. Um, I suspect that they will be recorded, though. Uh, most likely, we almost always record things like that so that they can be shared back, uh, shared back later on. Our National Coordinating Center has um, has a resource repository. Um, we we call it RERE for resource repository. Uh, we like to name things sometimes, um, and. So, you know, when we record things like that, usually they get stored in this re resource repository and it's it's open to the public. Anybody can um, go to our NCC's webpage and go to that resource repository and, um, you know, look at and use anything that's in there. Um, and it's one of the things that will get highlighted on uh on the final day of Public Health Genetics Week is that particular repository. Uh, there's all, all kinds of resources in there for people and you know you can use them free of charge. I mentioned uh, earlier if there was a, a cost to participate in any of these activities. And there's not the, the you know, all of the activities are um, things that you can participate in without like registration fees or you know logins or anything like that. Um, and the the resources are the same. And I suspect that after the fact, all of the, the those live events will be recorded and posted there. Oh, that's great to have this free event for everyone to learn more about public health genetics and the resources and, and different opportunities to get involved. And, you know, for our listeners who hopefully are now interested in public health genetics weeks and are now thinking about, hey, maybe I could even get into this career, um, especially if you have an interest in genetics um, but you maybe don't want to stay in the lab or maybe have some application to, to help a population. And so there's the public health part of it. Um, Dr. Edick, I was wondering if you could maybe just share with our audience, like what are some public health genetic programs out there um, for people who are interested in either learning more about it? And can you get a degree in this? Or is it something that you have to have a, a graduate degree, like an MD or a PhD or some other uh, degree in order to get certified. So what are some different pathways for people to pivot um, their career into public health genetics? Most of the people that I work with um, come to this career in, in one of a couple ways. Um, they either started out in, you know, with their schooling in public health um, and you know, through through that exposure, maybe they got involved in internship in a newborn screening lab, or um, you know, involved in some of you know, like an epidemiology project or something like that. And and that was that was sort of their their entry point. Um, 
On the other hand, the other uh, type of individuals that I typically work with are people like me who have had other careers in genetics. So, you know, mine was in the research lab. Um, many of the folks that we work with are genetic counselors um, or they're geneticists, so, you know, clinician geneticists. Um, and then also there are many other sort of disciplines that are not really specific to public health or genetics that find their way into this realm of, of public health genetics. Like, for example, people that have expertise in telehealth, right? Well, telehealth is not really about public health specifically, and it's not really about genetics specifically. But if you have that expertise, you know, there is space for you in, in public health genetics because we're trying to learn how, you know, how do we provide um, that service broad scale in a, you know, sustainable way. So, um, you know, I think there, there are a lot, of, a lot of ways that you can, you know, that you can get there. Um, my pathway was very serendipitous. Um, I think that is true for a lot of people. Um, because, you know, like, like you have said, and really the, you know, the whole purpose for Public Health Genetics Week, people don't really know about it um, as a career. And I didn't, and I know lots of people don't. My, my own family, most of the time, doesn't know about it if I talk about what I do. Um, even if I've told them already, I'm not sure how to interpret that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy career to find. Uh, you, you really have to kind of go looking for it. Um, but it's very rewarding. And if, if you have any interest, I certainly, you know, I, I, I absolutely would encourage people to look. Um, I'm, I'm always happy, you know, people can find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm uh, at MJ Edick is my Twitter handle. Um, my genetics network, uh, the Midwest genetics network is at region for genetics. You can find me there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on MPHI's web pages. People can find me. I'm always happy to, uh, you know, talk about career paths and, uh, you know, I I can only share what I know and I I certainly don't know everything. But I'm always happy to share with folks who are interested, um, you know, anything that I I have that would be useful. Well, thank you so very much, Dr. Edick. I really appreciate you being here today with us and sharing with us all the great information about Public Health Genetics Weeks and your career path. And that was actually my last question was, what is the best way for people to connect with you? And thank you for making yourself so available through social media and through LinkedIn and and also um, through your uh, public health, through the Michigan Public Health Institute Network. So thank you. And Yes, my pleasure. Yeah. And, you know, as we come to a close, uh, I was just wondering if you have like one or two golden nuggets for people about uh, Public Health Genetics Week and just for um, our listeners to know, okay, so if we're going to go into this whole week, um, what, you know, what are, what are some one or two golden nuggets I should take away if they can't spend like the whole entire week? If, if you really can't dig in and and get involved, um, just, Pack away in your mind that public health genetics is a thing that that can have an impact on your life. Um, and and when you have the chance, go back and check it out. Um, go see those resources. Go interact with those things. Um, if if you're a healthcare professional, um, share that in your networks. Um, you know, we do a lot of work to try to educate providers, and we have lots of resources per, for providers. So please use it. Um, if you're if you're a 
just a person in the public who has some interest in public health, or maybe you don't have interest in it and you're just trying to find out what it is. Um, you know, if you have a need for genetic services, um, there are resources out there for you. Um, and if you don't get to listen into this whole week, um, know that you can go back and find them. Um, you know, there, there's, there's just so many resources. Many of them are, are freely available to you. Um, and, and so I just, I hope that, you know, people will hear about this and, and the biggest golden, golden nugget, I guess, is just, you know, make use of the things that are out there for you to, uh, to help you improve your health, especially around genetics. Oh, well, thank you so very much for your time, Dr. Edick. Um, and for listeners out there, um, if you're interested in Public Health Genetics Week, uh, all the information that was shared during this podcast, the links and the website are going to be in the show notes. So definitely check that out. So thank you so very much, Dr. Edick. Yeah, thank you. If you got questions about any of the episodes, feel free to reach out to me directly. And while you're there at it, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episode that you felt connected with so we could be a part of this collective invisible force called public health. Thanks.